Hey man, this is Mike Salmon with Cape Fear Men, and we have two exciting conferences in the North Carolina area. Iron Sharpens Iron Men's One Day National Equipment Conference. September the 25th in Richlands, North Carolina at First Baptist Church Richlands, and October the 2nd in Wilmington, North Carolina at Pine Valley Baptist Church. Men gather together to worship God and hear speakers dealing with men's issues that we face every day and give you words of encouragement to apply into your lives. As a friend used to say all the time, when men get it, everybody wins. The Iron Sharpens Iron Men's One Day National Equipping Conference in Richlands, North Carolina on September 25th and in Wilmington, North Carolina on October 2nd. You will not want to miss it. Your men in your church will be excited as they go back home to be the leaders as they need to be in their families every day. Go to kfearmen.net and choose your respective conference and ask for an informational package. God bless you. Welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry, help men grow spiritually, and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Today, we're going a little differently today. We're not going to be tackling necessarily directly into men's ministry lives, though it can be helpful in men's ministries. One of the things we're going to do, our guests, is we're going to talk a little bit about time management and procrastination. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. That is an area that over my life, I have also dealt with myself. Uh, my guest and I were talking a little bit about that before we start. So we're going to see where this program goes as we share that. My guest today is Rick Grubbs of Life Changing Seminars. Rick is best known for his host to Redeeming the Time, a one-minute radio program that features on has featured on hundreds of radio outlets around the world. He has spoken in thousands of times on biblical time management in all 50 states and in 26 other countries. He is the author of the book, Morning Momentum, God's Plan for Launching an Unstoppable Day. He and his wife, Carrie, live in Salisbury, North Carolina with several of their 12 children. Rick, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you being here, man. Hey, thank you, Mike. I'm excited about the opportunity. Good, good. Well, you know, there's a couple of questions I always like to ask my guests as we uh, as we begin getting the time together. And sure. one of those questions is a verse that you kind of hang your hat on right now, maybe in ministry or maybe a life verse or an anchor, an anchor verse or something like that. And why is that verse so meaningful to you? Well, let's go with the one that is actually the theme of our ministry, which is redeeming the time. Oh, uh, man. Now that is a phrase <laughs> we find a couple of times in the New Testament. Ephesians 5, 16, for example, Paul gives us that command. He, he tells us that because we live in an evil time, we as Christians, and we as men, of course, yeah. redeem the time. And uh, oh. what that actually means is to redeem something, Mike, is to rescue it from going to waste. You oh, know, if my wife uh, sees a coupon and it's a really good one, she'll uh, she'll take that coupon to the store. She'll redeem it. She'll rescue it from going to waste. And that's what God says he wants us to do with our time. He wants us to redeem it. He wants us to rescue it from going to waste. And so when God tells us to redeem the time, he's saying, rescue your time from going to waste. Not the natural course of events, but it's what uh, we're, we as men are called, we're required to do, redeem that time. 
Wow, that, that is powerful. I appreciate you sharing that. That, that is that is very uh, apropos and a lot of respect for our ministries and what we're doing and what Christ has called us to do. Well, let me ask you this. Um, how did you come to Christ? What, what, what? How did God capture your heart? You know, all of us are in ministry in some way, but not necessarily talking about how you got pulled into the ministry, but how did God call you, capture your heart, and you recognize your need uh, mm -hmm. to have him in your life. Oh, I, I love to tell the story. Uh, let's, let's, let's keep it down to the, uh, to, to the Reader Digest version. If you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's, let's, yeah, let's don't go riding a book here. <laughs> okay, don't worry. Uh, no, I, um, I grew up in a home, uh, not a Christian home, but a church-going home, mm -hmm. and, uh, but never really heard very much about God or salvation as a young person. In fact, I can't ever tell you that I ever really had a serious thought about God or my soul or where I would spend eternity as a boy growing up till I was about 12 years old. One day, I was out knocking on doors. I was selling magazines for my junior high school as a little fundraiser. I knocked on this lady's door, and she opened it up, and she said, Son, I don't want your magazine, but I'll give you something. Oh. She gave me a little gospel tract. It was called This Was Your Life. It was a little one of these little cartoon tracks that probably right. was somewhere right. man seen. And I took that little booklet home that afternoon. I read through it, and for the first time in my life, the thought struck me that, hey, I am going to die someday. I, I will have to spend forever somewhere. That's right. Uh, that I didn't become a Christian that day, but something happened, Mike. There was a fear of God that came over me that day as a young, as a 12-year-old boy that I couldn't completely escape for the next uh, seven years. And uh, the, during that seven-year period, I went through high school, got into all the party scene and all the stuff that most young people in the 1970s were into. And uh, my second year of college, though, uh, God in his mercy put a couple of Christians into my life. I was a mm -hmm. student at Appalachian State University, and there were a couple of guys lived on my hall, Mike and Rich, and they befriended me that year. And those guys started coming down to my room in the evening and talking to me and, and started inviting me to church with them. I went to some of the campus right. ministries with them, and, and God began to work on my heart. And I knew that I was not a Christian. I, I told them, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they could see my lifestyle. <laughs> they, they knew I wasn't for real. And yeah. uh, But uh, the crisis came May 23rd, 1981. I was at, uh, I had just uh, gotten up enough nerve to go out and buy a Bible from the local Christian bookstore. I actually still have it right here. Wow, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Went to a little Christian bookstore in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I, I made sure nobody saw me going into this place. <laughs> <laughs> I went in and I said, I want to get a really good Bible. And so they sold me this um, Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I took it home. I started reading through it, and about 2.30 in the morning, God just got a hold of my heart. And I, I was reading this Bible, and I knew that I wasn't a Christian, but I knew that I was, uh, that I knew what I needed to do. And so that night, May 23rd, 1981, about 2.30 in the morning, I got alone in my bedroom, just fell down on my bed, and I remembered a verse of Scripture that said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what I did. As I called his name out, he saved me. Uh, just had my 40th spiritual birthday earlier this year, and God has wow. been good, and it all started uh, with that little gospel tract and then uh, completely making that commitment that night so, by myself. So how old were you when you made that uh, final commitment, that solid commitment? I was 19 years old when God saved me. And yeah, it's just having my 60th birthday, so it's been yeah. 40 years now. Amen. You know, you know that's that's it's interesting to hear how many men grew up in the church 
and mm-hmm. but they were in their late teens or early twenties before they yes. really come to a full realization of what it all meant about being being a Christian mm-hmm. and being a, a child of God. That's super. I'm, I'm basically in the same way. I was seventeen years old before, and I grew up in the church, so I know what you're talking about there. So yes, sir. very good. Well, let me ask you this: life changing seminars. Yes. How did you get started in that ministry? How did you get there to the point where you knew God was calling you to do seminars to help people to understand about time management, procrastination? I know there's other things that y'all talk about, mm-hmm. you and your wife, but how did how did you move into that ministry? Well, it, it actually goes back even before I became a Christian. When I read that little track, it, it uh, put the idea into my mind that time in this life is very, very short. And mm. then have all of eternity to reap back what happens during that time. Mm-hmm. And, and that I'm going to be dead a whole lot longer than I'm going to be alive in this world. Mm-hmm. And so as that began to formulate in my mind, I began to see the importance of spending our time now preparing for eternity. Mm-hmm. So 1984, uh, I just graduated from Bible college and my pastor asked me if I would lead a small group Bible study one evening. And so I'm, um, I had been thinking about this topic of our time, how important it is. And I came up with a little Bible study for about a dozen people around a kitchen table, six reasons why we need to redeem the time. And those mm. are the six reasons I still use today. God, God seemed to bless that little study. I got a good report back on it a few days later, how God had used that in somebody's life. I was encouraged by it. So the next time I had a chance to speak, Mike, I just did the same thing again and did it again and again and again. And uh, uh, that's been quite a few years ago now. And I'm still doing it. Okay, so how long how long has the ministry been in Zizistus Town? Uh, we I did the Bible study in 1984. We actually formed into a ministry uh, of a 501c3 in uh, 1987. So however many years that's been, I guess probably coming up on 35. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's been our ministry. We've, we've shared it all over, as you mentioned, all 50 states now. I think uh, 28 other countries we've we've been able to share that along with the daily radio program. I, I just feel like that's God's calling on my life is to, between now and the day I die, encourage as many people as I can to think about their time, look at how they're using it, and use it for the glory of God. Well, you know, the interesting thing about time, you know, I just got through doing a Bible study with a group of people going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Right. And, uh, and you know, Solomon, especially t- towards the end of it, you start realizing, he, he asked the question at the beginning, but towards the end, he kind of summarizes that, how much the things we tr- tend to put our information and our time in are really meaningless. And, mm-hmm. and if we don't have God in the midst of it, and, and uh, like, uh, yeah, I actually finished it up this weekend, and and one of the questions that he asked were statements he says at the end of chapter 12 and verse 13, city in the end of the matter, all has been heard for fear God and keep his commandments for this mm-hmm. is the whole duty of man. And, you yeah. know, that, that verse just leaps out to you after you go yeah. through that whole 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes of the mm-hmm. importance, because you're, you're right. Our time on earth is short. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a vapor. It's a miss, you know, yes. that's biblical. So it's great. Yes, sir. Dude, dude, you've got a large family. <laughs> God's been good to us. <laughs> yes. So you got how many children do you have? Uh, last time I counted, it was twelve. Oh my gracious! <laughs> God gave us a full dozen: six boys and six girls. Oh man! Yeah, my, been, yeah, my wife cool. would probably be—I uh, don't know—I probably institutionalized her somewhere. If she had twelve kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I should have been, but I, I somehow. <laughs> all, are are any of them or all of them involved in your ministry? 
Well, at, to some degree, correct. Now, uh, probably about half of them have, have left home or are in college uh, yeah. to some degree. Our youngest is seven, our oldest is 29. So they run about every year and a half to two years in between that. And uh, over the years, they've all grown up in the back of a van going somewhere. And wow. they've, they've been involved in it. They sing uh, when I go to speak. My wife also, she speaks to ladies groups sometimes while I, while I speak to the men. And uh, they've, uh, they've, they've been a real part of it. And one of my sons, uh, Royal, he's, he's uh, starting to take over a few things now. Usually if he and I travel together, he, he does a little section of it and, and I do the main part of it. And yeah. uh, so it, it's been a blessing. By the time they leave home, most of my kids have been to 40 some states. Oh, my gracious. My gracious. I've, never made, I've never made any money doing this, but I've had a lot of tremendous experiences <laughs> that people in my income bracket usually don't have. Yeah. You're, raising, you're raising 12 kids. I can understand. how <laughs> much money. But at any rate, well, let, me, let me ask you, just tell our audience a little bit that you're going to be with me at uh, mm -hmm. uh, three conferences this year. Uh, That's right. Up in Monroe, North Carolina, here in just a couple of weeks at the Equipment, mm -hmm. uh, see, Uniting the Hearts of Men uh, conference, and then the Iron Sharpens Iron conference in Richlands, North Carolina, and Wilmington, um, the end of September and the first part of October. Will any of your children be traveling with you on that? Will any of them come with you? Uh, probably Royal is going to be at some of them. He may, uh, he may, like I say, do one of the points for me or something. Super. That's super. That that is great. Well, let's get into let's get into talking a little bit, a little bit about time and and, and time management and and um, procrastination. I'm kind of interested in the procrastination part of it, be honest with you. But mm -hmm. anyway, the time management. Let's deal with that first. You know, sure. any of us that's worked in any kind of um, leadership capacity, especially for a corporation, mm -hmm. uh, we've taken we've taken classes either that's been offered by our company or where they bring in people like yourself to talk to us about time management. And, uh, and some of it just uh, doesn't really stick. You know, it may stick for exactly. a week or it may stick for a month, but it doesn't really stick. What's different with what you do in, in that? Your typical time management course that you would have, a, like you spoke about in a training session in a, in a corporate setting, focuses on how to manage your time. I'll spend, uh, in my first uh, segment of my seminar, my first 50-minute seminar, I'll usually spend at least half of that time talking about why it is so important that we learn to manage our time, that we learn to redeem the mm -hmm. time. Because the, the how is really pretty simple. Uh, whether you're listening to uh, someone from a secular perspective or a Christian perspective, they all basically come back to three main points, which are set your goals, prioritize your goals, and work on your highest priority goals first. About any book you want to read on time management can be boiled down to those three points. But my approach is a little bit different because until we have the why, we don't have the motivation to stay consistent with the how mm -hmm. of it. And mm -hmm. so as Christians, I try to paint a perspective of time as a very valuable resource that we use in light of eternity, that we mm. use to prepare ourselves and others for eternity. And so if you get the why, the, the how is not hard to figure out. Uh, every book on time management just takes the same thing and they package it a little bit differently. So you get a handle on it and say, okay, I see how to use that. But until you have the why, until you really see why your time is so valuable, why it's so important to redeem the time, you won't have the motivation to stick with the how. Mm. Yeah, yeah, stick with that. That, that. that makes perfect sense. It really does. It's uh, to understand why you're doing what you're doing, and mm -hmm. then you then you can apply the how. It makes makes perfect sense in, in mm -hmm. so many ways. So how can we how can I 
find more time in a day. Well, there's only twenty. There's only twenty four hours in a day. Exactly. Uh, so you know, sixty minutes in an hour. So mm -hmm. how can I find more time? That that doesn't seem possible. So. Well, a lot of different ways you can go with that question, but one of the good starting places might be just to identify and eliminate your time wasters. Mm. You might be surprised if we actually calculated up how much time we waste in a day. So here's a little litmus test that I use to okay. identify what is a time waster. Before you commit your time to any activity, ask two very simple questions. Number one, what is going to be the fruit or the result of this activity in five years? That just means okay. five years from today, is this thing going to make any difference if I do it or if I don't do it? And if the answer is, right. no, that won't make any difference. Okay, then leave it alone and find something <laughs> else that will make a difference five years down the road. You know, Mike, as I look back at my own life five years ago, uh, it, it can be a frustrating experience because really I don't see all the results I'd like to see today. And probably every man listening could, could say that to some degree. Right. But as I project five years into the future and I think, okay, in uh, August of 2026, what can I do today that'll matter in August of 2026? And you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is those 12 children we were just talking about a few mm. minutes ago. Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are good, but if I really look, what do I picture as success five years from now? Uh, today, I'm glad to tell you that all my children profess Christ. Uh, I see so, some of them are already serving God in the ministry. And uh, as I measure the success of my life, I consider that probably to be the crowning achievement is if my wow. children are serving the Lord. So, so putting it back into a daily time management perspective and how to incorporate that five-year goal. Let's say I'm going to, I'm going to be, after we get off the podcast, I'm going to be going to the bank. I could take mm -hmm. one of my kids and I can say, hey, uh, uh, Precious, you want to ride with me today? Uh, let, let's go to the bank. While we're going to the bank, we talk about God or um, we talk about something that's going on in her life. That's a, that's a lot better than me just going to the bank, making the deposit, coming back home. So that's the first question. Five years from now, what's it going to matter? Second question is, what will this matter in eternity? Because we've already been talking about how we only get one short life. It's soon going to be passed. Only what we're doing for Christ is going to last. And so um, the second question is, how can I bring eternity into the situation? Uh, let's say we're, uh, we're going uh, through the grocery store line and we're paying for our stuff and we think, uh, okay, God, how, how can I make this last for eternity? What, what can I make a difference here? Uh, I could give a little gospel track to that, uh, that cashier as I'm, as I'm walking out. That's what somebody did for me as a 12 year old boy. And that's why I'm sitting here today talking mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. And so is it going to matter in five years? Is it going to matter in eternity? And there's really on that eternity question, there's only three things that do matter in eternity. They are God, his word, and people. Mm -hmm. God, his word, and people are the only three eternal investments. So if it does not directly relate to one of those three things, God, his word, and people, consider it a time waster. See if you can improve on it. Find something better. What's it going to matter in five years? What's it going to matter in eternity? Those are the tests for what is a time waster. Wow. Is that is that your your uh, explanation of the connection between time and eternity is that is that that area because I know we get a lot of questions of people mm -hmm. saying you know um, I'm going to spend eternity with God but they kind of equate it to how we look at time right now and they don't fully mm -hmm. understand what eternity really is mm -hmm. does, does that kind of work together in that in that respect to helping them understand that I, I think the clearer we can picture eternity 
the the more real it becomes, the more applicable it becomes mm -hmm. to us on a daily mm -hmm. basis. I have a little illustration that I use in one of my messages. It's the largest number, one of the largest numbers ever officially named. It's called 10 duo trigontillion. It's a one with a hundred zeros behind it, also known as a Google. That's where the search engine got their name. And uh, I, I put this uh, huge number up on the screen while I'm speaking. And I talk about how if you want to think of eternity in terms of numbers of years, which is the only way we can think of it, really. Right, right. Uh, then after when we sing the song Amazing Grace, we say when we've been there 10,000 years, we think that's right. a long time. But right. 10 duo trigontillion years, one with a hundred zeros behind it. Hey, we've still just begun. Eternity is 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 such a huge frame of reference and the the more we can incorporate that picture of eternity into our minds the more we have that that frame of reference I, I spent a lot of time talking about eternity because until again until we have that frame of reference for eternity we're not going to be set to redeem the time really in this world either yeah, yeah. well that's that's an interesting concept the way you try to try to explain that because it, it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's hard to explain what eternity really means you know sure where, where essentially there is no time you know mm -hmm. that that's happening you know it's almost like everything's happening instantaneously but yet how do you explain that you know well you so, know our, our minds are finite They're right and so even the best illustrations that we come up with still fall short when we try to really explain what eternity is, because you can, I cannot fully grasp, I cannot fully get my finite mind around the concept of something that is infinite, something that is eternal, that goes on forever and forever and forever. And so it, just by, by thinking of it as a, as a huge, unimaginably huge number, the estimated number of atoms in the universe is about a one followed by 85 zeros. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 10 to a trigontillion or a Google, whatever you want to call it, is even bigger than that. And that is still not eternity. That's no, the, the no. thing that we can't even begin to get our minds around. But that's where we're going to spend forever. And that's one of those mysteries of God that um, mm -hmm. uh, in this life, we will just not be able to understand completely. And, uh, and, we'll and it's interesting. You know, a lot of times I hear people, they're, they're busy people. They're doing something all the time. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, they're constantly on the go. They've got their fingers in a little bit of everything. And, and sometimes when you sit down and talk with them, you can hear the frustration in their voice. And they just say, I can't get it all done. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so what do you say? What do you say to those people who say that to you? Well, nobody gets it all done. Uh, I don't get it all done. Do you get it all done, Mike? No, <laughs> so, no, we're close to it. <laughs> we, just, we just have to make sure we're doing the most important things. Well, let's go back. I, I think I kind of mentioned this uh, a few minutes ago, that there are three basic steps to time management. And number one is identify your goals. You know why most of us get that feeling that we're, we're frustrated, we're not getting it all done? Because we've got a list of, say, 10 things that we need to get done today. Uh, we may not have it written out, but we got it up here in our mind. And there's about 10 things we need to get done. Well, I'll tell you what, if I don't write it down these days, I won't get it done. <laughs> well, that, that's true. That's where we're going with this. And so uh, so we've got that we got that kind of fuzzy list out there of these 10 things. And human nature is to, you got one or two things up here at the top that are really important. Right. Then you got some medium things. Then you got these little trivial things out at the bottom. Human nature is to start at the bottom of that list with those little trivial things. Oh, there's number nine. I, I could just get that out of the way real quick. Knock it out. Uh, knock it out. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just get that. And you, uh, 
But then you, you got number eight there, and you, you'd start that one, but it takes a little longer than you thought. And so uh, before long, you get to the end of your day, you got all these little piddly things down off the bottom of the list, but number one, number two, the big items are still hanging over your head. You go to bed at night with that sense of frustration because uh, you didn't get those most important things done, even though, like the fellow you were talking about, he was busy, busy, busy all day long. Now, uh, let's reverse that process. Let's list out those 10 things on a piece of paper or on your digital format, and let's prioritize them now. Officially prioritize them. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four, five, as far as how important they are. And then instead of working off the bottom of the list, let's start at the top of the list and work our way down so that we get as much as possible. We we start with number one, first thing in the morning, and as much as possible, we get number one completed before moving to number two, two before number three. We'll work off the top of the list on our way down. Now, you know what? You still probably won't get all the all 10 things on that list done, but that's okay because you couldn't have got them all done using any other technique either. But mm -hmm. this way we can go to bed at the end of the day with a sense of satisfaction, knowing that we did the will of God, knowing that we did the right thing. And so, no, you won't get it all done. I don't have a, uh, some fantastic secret technique for getting it all done, but that is the formula for getting the things done that God wants you to do. We've got time to do what God wants us to do. We don't have time for everything, but we've got time to do what he wants us to do. So prioritizing the list, working from the top down is, uh, is the essence of time management. Make your list, prioritize your list, work from the top down. Mm. Does it make Interesting. sense? Makes sense. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'll make a list out and I'll knock off the, the easy ones real quick, you know, cause they're easy to get, they're easy to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And then you got these, by the time you get to the ones you really need to be concentrated on, you're, you're, you're tired, you're frustrated mm -hmm. and you go on doing something else. And, uh, and so I, I appreciate you sharing it. Let me add one more quick thing on that, you know? Sure. Um, we get to the end of the day and we have that frustrated feeling, even if we've gone from the top down. But if you get, if you work from the top down, then you know that that feeling is coming from the enemy. It's coming from the devil. He's just, mm -hmm. he's just accusing you at that point. And you can say, look, devil, I did what God uh, told me to do best. I understood. And so if you have that feeling of frustration, but you didn't work from the top down, you mm -hmm. work from the bottom up, it may be some genuine guilt and frustration. But if you start at the top and work down, you can ignore that. And uh, you can go to bed, put your bed, head on the pillow at night, knowing that you did the will of God. Mm. That's some good advice. That's some great stuff. One of your seminars that you have uh, that, that I've seen is called uh, 25 Time, Time Tactics for Successful Christians. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of those? Uh, you don't have to go through all 25 of them, of course, but what, is the, what are some of maybe the top three, four, maybe five, five of those that uh, we should be doing? Okay. Well, we've already talked about the big three, the make your goals, prioritize your goals, yeah. work from top down. Uh, then everything else kind of is an add-on to those first three. Let's take uh, one or two, for example. Um, one of them that I like to emphasize is remembering to take a day of rest. Uh, uh, remembering the biblical principle of a Sabbath day of rest. Now, a lot of people, when you when you begin to talk about taking a Sabbath, they equate that with legalism and and all of the, uh, and all the the baggage that uh, uh, goes with that. Mm. But really, 
the idea of taking one day in seven as a day of rest is not a, just a matter of Old Testament law because it goes all the way back before the law. It goes mm. all the way back to creation. Think about yep. this. Yep. Why did God work six days and then rest one? Did you know? Was he tired? No, God didn't get tired. He didn't get physically tired like you and I do. But he did that as an example for you and I so that we would know the proper ratio of work to rest. Six days Amen. of work. One day of rest, right. and this this is just almost a forgotten concept in the in the church world today. But I know from my own life that uh, if I will take that Sabbath day rest, and I get away from I get away from my buying and selling, and I get away from my uh, my normal work at least one day in seven, I'm going to be more refreshed. I'm going to be more effective during those other six days. So that that's. That's probably one of God's most basic time management principles right there that uh, came to us in creation week. Yeah, true. And I, and I have to admit, my parents were, they were, you know, they, came, they came in a different generation, but uh, that seventh day was very important to me. My dad owned four businesses at one time. Wow. And I can promise you, when Sunday come along, he was taking that, that day of rest. Those businesses were not open at all. Mm -hmm. you know? yes. And uh, and only time he would even do anything with those businesses is if it, if it was a true emergency. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't just do it. And, uh, and that's one of the things that's taught me. And that's that has stuck with me, the importance of taking mm -hmm. that one day just to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, other than maybe go to church and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But to relax and just enjoy Enjoy uh, your time with your family. Enjoy your time with God, and just relax mm -hmm. in, in His in His love and in, in mm -hmm. worship. It's so, such a great. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, part of our time is how we get our day started too. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, uh, me, you know, I, I wake up in the morning. I do my little bit duties I do in the bedroom, and then I I I. I I go into my office and I sit down with the Word of God and I spend half hour to an hour just by myself reading mm -hmm. the Word, doing some study time and stuff like that. And and but why is that? Do you think is it may not be this everybody doing what I do, but mm -hmm. why is it so important that we start our mornings right? And and, and what is the what are the three things I'll say that that you think that we should be doing? every morning when we start our day? Okay, good question. Because uh, everybody wants a successful life, right, Mike? Right, right. You know, you, you don't have guys coming to your seminar uh, saying how to how to be a failure. <laughs> it's uh, every, nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants. They to don't be have. They don't have to be taught how to be a failure. I can tell you that, that now. Comes, that comes naturally to us. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. but, uh, but but I want to tell you though. The I'm, I'm not going to talk about the real secret to success. I'm going to talk about the real secret to failure right now, and that is to consistently get up late and start your day wrong. That is uh, that is one of the real keys to failure. What do you, what do you mean by getting up like consistently getting up late? What what does that mean? Well, really, getting up later than your optimal time to get up. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll put it that way. It's not going okay. to not going to be a set time, of course, for everybody because right, right. But um, but sleep, but uh, spending that uh, squandering those morning hours that have some gold in them. If we'll mm -hmm. be diligent enough to get up and mine that gold out. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to the idea of success, you know what a successful life is? A successful life, if you think about it, is really just an accumulation of successful days. You mm -hmm. know, have enough successful days, you've had a successful life, right? And right. so the real key is how do you have a successful day? And the answer to that is 
by having a successful morning. Because as goes the morning, so goes the day. You know, that very first minute of your day can do so much to set the tone for the others. So that first hour of your day can set the tone for the other 23 hours that follow. And that's why it's so crucial to have a laser focus on starting that day right. Let's laser focus it right down to the first minute of your day. Let me give you three things to do in your first minute. They are wake up, get up, and stay up. <laughs> Three things you do in your first minute. You wake up, you get up, you stay up. You, let's talk about the first one. You wake up. Best way to do that is putting your alarm clock not beside your bed, but on the other side of your room, out of reach, so that when it goes off, you got to get up, you got to get out of that bed, and you got to shut that thing off. And don't even think about using the snooze option. Snoozers <laughs> are losers. Oh. We're, we're, not, we're not having these uh, uh, these men's conferences to raise losers. We're uh, And so we're not, we're going to get rid of all of our snoozers after this upcoming men's conference. Right. So, so number one, get rid of that snooze button. The, the Bible even talks about that one. It says, uh, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. <laughs> that's, a picture, <laughs> that's a picture of me with my snooze alarm in past times, okay? So, uh, Hit that button and turn over snooze. on the other side. <laughs> exactly. So number one, we get rid of the snooze. We, we wake up. Secondly, we get up and we get up the right way. We get up God's way. As you're getting off of that bed, you're putting your feet on the floor, just look up to God and just give him some praise during that very mm. first moment of your day. Just mm. say, thank you, Lord, for waking me up again. Help me today to have a good day and be a blessing to somebody and redeem the time. And, right. Or even just give, give it, just give yourself a little cheer, just a, a little, oh boy, it's a great day to get up and go get them. I'm, I'm so, you know, as you're as you're getting out of that bed. Yeah, it's not your morning devotions, but it's just an acknowledgement of God. Very first thing as you're as you're making that transition to get your feet on the floor. And then the third one: wake up, get up, and stay up. Uh, because a lot of us will have a tendency and a temptation to fall back into that bed. It's like a giant electromagnet pulling us back in. And the best way to turn that electromagnet off is to go ahead and make your bed real quickly. Go ahead and put that cover back on there. And uh, and and that, that kind of shuts the temptation off. Uh, even before you go to the bathroom, you want to just just throw it back in there. Just make sure your wife's not still in the bed first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my wife, uh, my wife does sleep a little bit longer than I do. And, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, well, then you have to do the I'm, cheer silent. You have to do the cheer silently. Then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I usually I'm usually uh, up around six to six thirty, and she's usually about seven thirty or so before she's climbing out of that bed. But the yeah. other aspect, I couldn't help but thank you. Say, stay up. Don't go. Don't go into the den with your cup of a cup of coffee and sit down and you lazy boy and, and go back to sleep either. There you go. There you go. Kitchen tables work better than lazy boys. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Rick, I know we've been talking a lot about time right here, and uh, I want us to get into procrastination a little bit. Can you, you know, people a lot of times don't associate the two together, but yet they're associated. Sure. And uh, they'll talk about time, and then they'll talk about procrastination like it's something else. What? is the difference between the two or is there a difference between time management and procrastination? Well, probably the biggest time waster, we were talking about time wasters earlier, mm -hmm. probably the biggest time waster most of us has is procrastination in one form or another because most of us do intend to do the right thing. 
Yeah, we, we want to do the right thing, but we just think, mm, not right now. I'm going to wait a little while. Uh, I'm going to wait until my situation changes, my circumstances are a little different, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and meanwhile, life happens while we're waiting on life to begin because we're procrastinating. Uh, I like a little definition of procrastination as being putting off until later what God wants me to do right now. You know, you know, again, uh, we, we don't, we as Christian men, we don't want to disobey God, but we just don't necessarily want to do that thing right now. And right. so, uh, so, so that, that's probably the, the linking point right there is understanding that uh, oh, procrastination is all about just obeying God right now. Well, you know, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I was sharing with you before we came on the air that, uh, I, 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 I'm transparent. I don't mind admitting that I do have a hard time with procrastination. Mm -hmm. and sure. A lot of it has to deal with uh, the way I came up and, and mm -hmm. uh, being self-confident about doing things for God and wondering what people would say. So I kind of would put it off, so to speak. So what is those, what are those three stages that uh, you talk about in your seminars that mm -hmm. I need to look for? When when things seems to be um, what I should say, when the devil, the old mm -hmm. Satan is trying to get me to hold off on doing something. Sure. And realizing that spiritual dimension that you just mentioned is, is a real key to it, too, because uh, the time management is more than just uh, just rules and regulations. There's a spiritual dimension to it that we can't mm -hmm. ignore. And uh, that that getting off track usually begins with diversion. The devil is the force behind procrastination. And before he can do anything else, he's got to get our attention. And he does yep. that by creating a diversion. He gets our yep. focus on plan B over here. Now it's not, I'm not rejecting plan A, the thing God really wants me to do today. It's just that I'm going to take a little detour and then I'll come right back to it. But uh, meanwhile, we quickly slip into the second stage of procrastination, which is rationalization. Rationalization means ignoring obvious consequences in order to justify my behavior. It's when I tell myself a little lie that allows me to keep going down that plan B a little bit longer. And finally, though, that plan B Satan's plan for my day is going to end in some form of death or destruction or missed opportunity uh, for that day. And then the, that leads into the third stage of procrastination, which is excuses. You know, the, the, the chronic procrastinator always has a reason why things didn't happen the way they were supposed to happen. Oh, uh, you know, it was too hard. It was too big. It was, people just didn't understand, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, life can take a very downward spiral for that chronic procrastinator. So uh, recognizing that progression, that downward progression of uh, diversion, rationalization, death and destruction and excuses uh, can, can maybe give us some insight that'll keep us from getting off track in the first place. You know, I was talking to you, like I said, before we came on the air and, and uh, I told you, uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but um, I was kind of serious too, that if I was growing up today, I would probably be um, diagnosed with a, um, attention deficit syndrome, basically, mm -hmm. you know, or disorder, mm -hmm. I should say, uh, because, and, and I know I'm not the only one that this happens to, but we'll get involved in something we're mm -hmm. doing, we're making good progress and we'll look at something that uh, is probably in our research or something. And that research will take us somewhere else down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. and, and before you know it, you're, you're, far away from what you really need to be doing. How do we prevent that? How do we stop mm -hmm. that? 
Yeah. Good, good, good question. I, I would say having the goal written out at the beginning of the day is probably as good of a prevention for that as anything that I know. And, uh, you know, th this is kind of another point we can bring into that answer, too, is read some good material on uh, overcoming procrastination, time management, staying focused, like uh, the one that you mentioned there um, made me think of um, Gary Keller, The One Thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of your men would be familiar with that book, yep. very, very good classic book. And he talks a lot in there about how you focus on your one thing that you need to get done that day, and you don't let anything get you diverted once you've identified what that one thing is. So I'd say probably one of the best uh best methods for that would be having it written out. And then maybe another thing we could add in with that would be accountability. If you make yourself accountable for how you're using your time to your, uh, your spouse or a good friend or someone, someone else, uh, then that'll, that'll uh, put your feet to the fire and keep you. Uh, let me give you an example. When, okay. when we were first married, um, my wife and I took a year off to go to what was then Czechoslovakia in Eastern Europe uh, as missionaries. Communism had just fallen. We went over there to, to spend a year. We were the first people there. And uh, so I was pretty much on my own and I didn't have any supervision. And what I found was I started sleeping in too late. And I just, uh, I just started, uh, you know, rationalizing and, and I wasn't getting the traction that I needed. And so I voluntarily, um, started writing down my wake up times and maybe some of what I was doing to my spiritual mentor back in the States. And I would send that schedule back to him. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to show that I was crawling out of the bed at the crack of noon. <laughs> and so uh, when I, when I made myself accountable to him in that unaccountable environment of another country, uh, I found that that helped me. The, the embarrassment factor was there that I didn't want him to see me being lazy. Right. Yeah, so, uh, so maybe that can help someone to become accountable to somebody. Well, you just said a key word. You talk about lazy. Is that one of the root causes of procrastination, being being lazy? I think so. I think if you if you will stop and think about almost anything that you tend to procrastinate on, you can usually trace it back to one of two things, either laziness or fearfulness. Uh, not 100%, but probably uh, a good, I'd say 80, 90% of the things that we procrastinate on, we can trace it back to one of those two things, either laziness or fearfulness. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's, um, the, there's uh, several verses in Proverbs that address this, uh, mm -hmm. especially the laziness side of it. The slothful man won't even, I'm just paraphrasing, he won't even cook the the uh, meat that he just captured because he's so lazy. He's There's another one that says he's so lazy, he won't even take his hand out to uh, cook his uh, food or do his work, that type right. of thing. So, right. yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it. Big part of it is laziness, and big part of overcoming laziness is going back to what we talked about earlier with seeing how valuable our time is. What goes through a mind of a person like that, that uh, either fearfulness or laziness, how do they get there? I mean, you know, it's uh, what's going through their mind, so to speak. I, I can tell you with me, I told you before, earlier with me, you know, uh, I don't think it was lazy as much as it was for fearfulness for me because of the fact that, uh, once again, I said earlier that I, I had a lot of issues in my younger life of being self-confident doing what I thought God wanted me to do and wondering what people would say or, or, or think of me if I walked down, went down that road. And that kept me from doing a lot of things I probably should have been doing. So, so how, how does, how do we 
work through our mind with that and what goes through our mind when we talk about that? Yeah, well, I think a lazy procrastinator um, has a basic mindset that everything appears overwhelming. Now, mm, oh, yep. Too big. It's too much. Yep. It's too many. I can't do all that. And so I just won't do anything today. I'll start on it tomorrow. That's when I'll start. Yep. On. I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Cause a lot of times in, in my life, I would think I was overwhelmed and how in the world am I supposed to do this? And I was mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And, and that, that's typical of how we think uh, when, when we're being lazy. Uh, mm -hmm. Another aspect of that, and kind of along the same lines is they will tend to take a very short term focus. Uh, the problem with a lazy procrastinator is their window of time into the future that they're able to associate cause and effect is very short term. Um, we, we see this, uh, for example, when Jesus talked about the uh, parable of the ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. If you read that parable through sometime, you'll see the bottom line difference between the two groups was the way they pictured future consequence. The ones that Jesus uh, described as being lazy had a very short window of time. They were focused right here, right now. They right. didn't see the accumulating consequences that were happening because of their procrastination. The ones right. he called wise were the long-term thinkers, the long-term planners. And uh, those were the ones that were commended by the Lord. So one aspect of overcoming that laziness is thinking about the long-term consequences. Let me give you another one real quick on this too. Sure, sure. That is the idea that a lazy person will use what little energy they do have to create an imaginary obstacle. This verse in Proverbs that says, okay. the, the lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I'll be slain in the streets if I go out there. Maybe some of your men will, will uh, recognize that verse from Proverbs. And what that is, is that's a little picture that God has given us there in Proverbs as a, of a lazy man using his energy to create an obstacle, to create mm -hmm. some reason why he cannot do the thing he really should be doing at that moment. And so uh, uh, let me just ask, our listeners, our viewers, what is your lion in the street right now? What is that one thing that you really know you're supposed to be doing today, even before you go to bed tonight, but you're you're making that a lion in the street? There's a there's a uh, an imaginary obstacle out there that is keeping you from doing the thing you're really supposed to be doing. So imaginary obstacles and short term focus imagining things to be overwhelming. Those are all some of the root causes and rationalizations that go through the mind of a lazy person. Wow. You know, that's, that's a lot of good information that you've been sharing with us, but, but let me ask you this, you know, if what is the bottom line? What is the bottom line to overcoming? I'm going to, I'm going to put them both to you, mm -hmm. time management and procrastination. What's the bottom line for us to overcome that? Let me give you two questions. Number one, Bottom line to redeeming the time is continually asking yourself one question. Here it is. Ready? What does God want me to do right now? What does God want me to do right now? What does God want me to do right now? Right now, in this moment, what is it God wants me to do? And I said it three times so everybody kind of remember it and, uh, and it would stick with us. Because it's just a little different way of saying Proverbs 3, 5, where God says, in all your ways, acknowledge me. In other words, in everything we do, we look for a way to make Jesus Christ known, to acknowledge him. To And uh, in, in our uh, men's conferences, I'll be giving away a little sticker that says that. What does God want me to do right now? And I, I encourage the men to take those home and put them in a place where they'll see them often, continually be reminded to ask that question. 
that's the that's the bottom line to redeeming the time. Mine, mine will go right there on my computer. I'll tell you that right. now. <laughs> that's, that's where a lot of us need to put them, or on the back of the phone. Yeah. And, uh, so now that's the bottom line to redeeming the time. Here's the bottom line to overcoming procrastination. And it's very similar. It's also a question to continually ask yourself, and that is, will I obey God right now? Yes or no. No third option. Yes or no. So what happens is the procrastinator comes up against a situation where he doesn't want to disobey God, but he just doesn't want to do this thing right now. And so he tries to create a third option, which is yes, but. But, you know, there's no such thing as yes, but with God, because when God tells us to do something, we've got two options. Yes or no right now, because delayed obedience is really disobedience. Exactly. We all know that one. And so there is no third option. So by framing your situation, using that question, will I obey God right now? Yes or no. And eliminating that third option of yes, but that never really existed in the first place you force yourself into saying yes or no right now. So uh, will I obey God right now? Yes or no? Choose yes. You just overcame slothful procrastination, fearful procrastination, or just willful procrastination, which is all procrastination. So it's really just that simple. Will I obey God right now? Yes or no? You know, that's that's something we talk a lot about in, in, in the fact is that we, we are to obey God. We are to obey God when he calls mm-hmm. us to do something and not delay mm-hmm. in in that calling. And, uh, and, and that is such good wisdom that you're sharing today about asking those two questions of um, what does God want me to do right now mm-hmm. and, and understanding uh, your calling. You know, that's, I um, uh, I share with guys a lot of times, you know, we typically think of a calling as that of a minister, someone who's pastoring a church, but really every one of us who are a child of God, he has called us to a particular task and we need to understand that task. So what are you gonna do right now in mm-hmm. that calling that he has given you? And, mm-hmm. and and I like the other thing, you know, you ask yourself, okay, now I understand what he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Am I gonna do it right now? You right know? now. That, 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 that is superb. Well, Rick, we're we're coming up on our time, man. We've been talking about this for a while now, and I know we can oh, continue. Oh yeah, I have too, and I know we can continue talking about that. But uh, I want you to to share first off, share maybe a tidbit summary of what we have talked about. Any anything that you would like to get into people's minds and understanding about time management procrastination or anything else that's going on with your ministry right now that you would like to share. And then after you do that, we'll share some contact information uh, with our listeners. So just, just share what's on your heart about uh, this process, all this Mm -hmm. techniques and and Mm -hmm. issues that we were talking about today. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Yeah. As far as the ministry goes, Mike, there are, there, we, um, we share this. Uh, most of what I do is either just one or two sessions at a local church or in a conference, such as uh, as what you do there. First message being redeeming the time. Second mm-hmm. one being overcoming procrastination. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we we do uh, as many as five sessions. The other one being the other one's being living in light of eternity, focusing in zeroing in on that idea of how to live for the next ten duotrigontillion years and not just today. And then the um, 
The uh, fourth one is 25 Time Tactics of Successful Christians, which is the, the nuts and bolts of what most people think of as being time management. Uh, things like how to buy more time uh, and, uh, and how to do those, those three steps that we talked about. And then the last one is called Morning Momentum. We touched on mm. that in the course of our conversation too. I have, a whole, have a whole book uh, titled "Morning Momentum: How to How to Get Get Your Day Started Right and Do It God's Way." And so, so those are the, basically the five uh, messages that we do. And we do those um, we do those in any setting in a in a Saturday morning men's meeting and a at uh, a Bible conference. And uh, we don't have have uh, uh, any. Uh, financial requirements. God has blessed us, uh, fortunately, with some good real estate investment over the years. That's how I actually make my living. So uh, finances are not an obstacle. If somebody is interested in having us come, I'm glad to do that. Um, but we're, uh, we, we seek out uh, any opportunity we can to encourage uh, men, families, my wife with the women, uh, to redeem the time, to make the most of your time. And um, we're glad to do that for any group, uh, large or small. Great, super. And for those of you that are listening uh, to uh, our, our program here, if you want to know more information about Rock, Rick has done, you can go out to his website, lifechangingseminars.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a tons of information out there as I have looked through the website and, and just a whole host of uh, information that you can uh, capture and resources that you can get from him. And if you want to reach out to Rick himself, you can go to Rick at lifechangingseminars.com, and I promise you Rick will reach back out to you as soon as he can and sure. answering any questions you have or, or any comments that you may have to, dealing with life-changing seminars. Rick, I appreciate you being on, on the program now. It has been an honor to have you. Hey, I've enjoyed it. It's been an honor to be here. Well, well, for those of you out there, I want to let you know, I said it at the begin towards the beginning of the show, that Rick and I are going to be um, – uh, together at the uh, Igniting the Hearts of Men conference on September the 11th. That's just uh, less than two weeks away. Right. And uh, we will be there. So you can go out on baptistonmission.org uh, and you can find out any, all the information you want to about that conference if you'd like to do that. Rick will be doing, I believe, two breakout sessions in that right. session, won't you? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so so we, uh, uh, we hope you will look at that. And then later on, September the 25th, in Richlands, North Carolina, uh, he will also be there with us doing, I know, two breakout sessions. Right. And uh, at that conference in October the 2nd in Wilmington, North Carolina, at the Iron Sharpens Iron, 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 Sharpens Iron, I'll get it out there in a minute, get tongue-tied, Iron Sharpens Iron Conference there in Wilmington, North Carolina, doing the same thing. So you can go out on kfearmen.net and find out more information about that if you want to. And uh, once again, Rick, I appreciate you. It's been fun talking to you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and spending, spending some time as we minister to, to the men uh, of North Carolina. And, and, I know, and I know from information I'm getting in from the registrations on those conferences, we've got some guys coming in from other neighboring states, too. So I'm looking forward to, to that time together. Praise uh, God. I am, too. Good. Super. Well, people, I, I appreciate you uh, being on the uh, the program with us, listening to the program as uh, we have talked through the time management and procrastination with Rick Grubbs of, of uh, life-changing seminars. If you uh, if you would, I would love for you to go out and check out my new book, The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry. And you can find that on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. And when you do that, uh, 
please leave us a review so well, so we can understand and know what you thought of the book. I appreciate uh, y'all doing that, and I appreciate y'all's support on this. This uh, this ministry, once again, like I said, is a men's ministry leader interviewing leaders in men's ministry. And if you want to know more about Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin, go out to kfearmen.net or email me at mike.sandlin at kfearmen.net. As a mentor used to tell me all the time when we would uh, spend time together and at the end of our day together or our time together, he would close out with these words to me. He would say, I pray that you will give him a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you by. Thank you for joining us on Intentional Conversations, and we'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you.